are listening to the Therapy Podcast with your host, Shloimi Balsam. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Therapy Podcast. It has been quite a while and I have to thank you all because even when, I, when I'm not posting stuff, you guys still hang on, you're still listening, you come back for the content and the vibes and I really appreciate it and every email that I get means the world to me. I, I answer every single email, I really appreciate it. On that note, I want to thank you all for coming through this journey with me. I just graduated college. I got my master's with three years, clinical counselor. It's been fantastic studying, learning, and living through these tools and experiences together. And I'm forever grateful. Thank you. On that note, I want to celebrate by making an episode talking a little bit about what a therapist is. And specifically, for those of you going to therapy, what should we be looking for in a therapist? What makes a good therapist? So from the therapist's perspective as the professionals, what should we work on? What skills should we do and perform to give our clients the ultimate experience and the best help that they deserve? And from the client's perspective, how do I know that I'm seeing a competent professional therapist that's for me now again i'm not one to disparage any therapist there are people who have had terrible experiences in therapy and i still wouldn't say that their therapist was bad personally i've been to therapists that and i had a very bad experience and at the same time i went to a different therapist and it was fantastic and yet i probably would send people to my quote-unquote bad therapist just because he wasn't for me we talked different languages we our personalities did a match. First and foremost, you need a therapeutic alliance, which is fancy for good vibes. With your therapist, you have to match. You have to talk the same language. By definition, a therapist is someone who offers any kind of therapy. That could look like psychologists, social workers, counselors, anything, any, any professional in the mental health field. And also physical therapists. Therapists are there for... A purpose. They can help with anxiety, behavior, depression, managing life changes, eating disorders, loneliness, life complications, grieving issues, self-esteem, negative thinking, chronic illness, insomnia, issues getting sleep, or hyposomnia, sleeping too much, usually a symptom of depression, gender-based or sexuality issues, issues on relationships, society-based issues, stress-based issues, alcohol addi addiction, internet addiction, gambling addiction, all sorts of addictions, issues with suicide and self-harm based on thoughts, and of course, trauma-related issues. And there are so many different types of therapists. There are therapists that specialize in addiction. There are art therapists, children therapists, there are massage therapists, uh, marriage, uh, children, music, occupational they're therapists for yoga. It does make a lot of sense to find a therapist that's specializing in the area that you are working on. However, that being said, with that disclaimer made, if you have a good relationship with this therapist and he is competent, he talks your language and you connect with him or her, the skills that every therapist has can help with all other issues. You do want someone who knows a lot and has experience and is, has a good track record with your specific issue, but someone who is exceptionally empathic to you will automatically help you. Carl Rogers was a proponent of the humanitarian model where just having somebody in your corner understanding you, hearing you, 
on a deep level generates a therapeutic response. Now, it's good to know what the benefits of going to therapy are because, first of all, you should be excited about it. And it lowers the stigma when people know why you're going and the purpose, the benefits that you get can outweigh whatever stigma is left. And I think there's always going to be some stigma, but it's definitely getting better. And you hear people talking up and mentioning their therapists in public forums and in a proud way. And that's really beautiful to see people making themselves vulnerable to other people's judgment. They clearly have good therapists. Additionally, you want to know what the benefits are of therapy because if you're not getting those benefits, you should double-check, fact-check, and see maybe there's another path to take to get those benefits that you are supposed to be experiencing. The benefits include an improvement of physical and mental health, um, a new awareness of your thoughts and effects on your behavior. You can learn about practical understanding of the relationship between your thoughts and actions. You should be getting a friendly support and understanding and in-depth knowledge in experience and behaviors, self-awareness. You should be improving uh, social relationships. You can learn new skills in managing stress, interaction of issues with fear and worry with a neutral person. Priceless benefits to anybody. So here's the magic question. What makes a good therapist? And at the end of the day, there are many qualities together that combine to make a fantastic, effective counselor. So here are some of the important ones. Number one, empathy. Like we mentioned before, a good therapist should be able to understand and feel what their clients are going through without any judgment or bias. Renee Brown is fantastic at many things, but one of the things is putting definitions to ideas that are hard to put your finger on. She describes empathy as opposed to sympathy, as being down there together with the person in their dark place and understanding what it's like to be there. Sympathy would be more standing at the edge of the cave and calling in and be like, oh, it must stink to be in there. The way David Burns describes it, it's he says that we walk to the gates of hell with the client. And even if you do nothing or say nothing, but just being there with the person, he's no longer alone in that terrible place. And sometimes I'll tell my clients straight out, like, I, I really, I can't relate to you. I, I have no idea what it's like to experience. And some, some of the things that they say are just unimaginable. So if I can't imagine it, all I can do is tap into the extreme emotions that they're feeling and let them know that I'm just here with you. And I'm, and I'm tapping into those emotions that I have and I can match them to the emotions that you have, because while our experiences are different, our emotions are the same. Like, yes, I don't know what it's like to go through that car crash, but I have experienced fear, and I can feel your fear. I know what it's like to be scared, and I'm going to join you in that experience here. A second very important quality of a good therapist is active listening. A good therapist should be an active listener paying close attention to their clients' verbal and nonverbal cues to understand their thoughts, their feelings, and experiences. I have one particular mentor who I always was mesmerized by his ability to listen. Whenever I was talking with him, I felt like the world disappeared, and it was like me and him, even if we were in the noisiest room in the country, it was as if nothing existed besides for the two of us. And it was really masterful. I once asked him in a public forum, he was doing a Q&A, and I asked, 
But what's the key? How would you advise someone to become a good listener? And he said it's 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 very simple, but very hard to actually practice. He told us, listen to whatever he's not saying. When someone's talking to you, it's very easy to hear what they're saying. Listen to what they're not saying. Especially when someone is sharing something deep. And in therapy, that is the ultimate place for that safety and the ability to let out those things that are hard to speak out other places. When you're talking about something deep, we often code it and hide it within piles and piles of disguise so that it's not as terrifying to actually be talking this thing out loud, this thing that might be surrounded by shame and guilt and loneliness. And even if it's just the first time you're ever saying something, there could be a mountain of fear and anxiety built around it of what will be the backlash, what's going to be the response of me sharing this part of myself. It can be hard and it takes a, a certain level of skill to be able to decode and hear those cloaked messages that are being transmitted to you, but through a disguise. Listen to what they're not saying. If you could pull out that nugget that they're trying to tell you, that they're desperate to share, they're going to feel super understood. That's the key. Active listening gives your client the feeling that they are being heard. And there's a million little things that go into this. We could have a whole podcast on that. It could be little um, nods. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hear you. Uh-huh. Go on. And reflecting back the content that they're telling you. It could be saying back word for word, often just to fact check and just make sure that they know that you are paying attention. There are varying methods of writing things down. When I first began, I wrote a lot more. Now I think I have the mental capacity to remember the gist of it. And when I say it over, I try to say it over as exactly as they said it, using the exact same words. And once they know that I said everything and I heard everything that they said, I could then paraphrase more than just a reflection. I could reframe it in perhaps even a more accurate way than they know how to, to express them themselves. There's another concept. I picked it up in Eric Milton Foundation. There's some fantastic uh, short YouTube videos from them. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Um, and they did a, a micro-series on resonance. These are things that we as humans do naturally, instinctually, but you could do it proactively. If you see somebody, you're having a conversation, the more intimate it gets, the more you're going to reflect each other. If the other person leans back, you can watch this. If you're ever at a coffee shop, a public place, you can watch other people talking to you in an airport even. If you still find people in the 21st century who talk to each other, not by means of their phones, then you can watch as if one person leans back, puts his arms out, the other person will likely reflect that. Um, often the way you're holding your head, if the, my client turns his head on an angle, uh, sometimes subconsciously, I, I'll you know move my head to match his. We'll both be looking at each other through this sort of sideways way. Um, and I've learned to do that automatically. It, it shows that I'm really right there with you. A real empathy is to show, to show, not just to say that I'm doing the closest thing to experiencing what you are experiencing now. 
And now it's not just you. It's not just you dealing with it. It's us dealing with it. And the two of us together can find a way out of this. We can find a way to make it better. We can find a way to withstand it and learn and even grow from it. Resonance is one of those key ways to show that you're clicking in and locking into where they are. You could be blinking at the same pace, even breathing at the same pace, sitting in some similar positions, facing each other. It could just be the direction, the angle that you're sitting. Active listening is an art and something you can work on your entire lifetime and continuously improve. Third, and this one is really a non-starter, if your therapist is judgmental, and that can mean that he's actually judging you, or even just you're getting the feeling or you're scared that he is, if you know for sure, then just leave. But if you're not sure, then maybe you just need to build up that trust and ask questions and see if he, is, if he actually is judging you. A good therapist has a non-judgmental attitude. A good therapist should create a safe and accepting environment where clients feel comfortable sharing their thoughts and feelings without fear of being judged. If you can't provide that for your client, then they don't have a therapist. They don't have a safe place. At least, rock bottom, your therapist should be a place where you can feel safe and understood. Just those two components of having someone who will listen to you and you can say anything. That is therapy gold. All the other techniques and methods and everything, they're great and they're amazing and they're useful and they could be your ticket out, but you don't even have a ticket in if you don't have a safe place. Fourth, you have professionalism. A good therapist should be ethical, reliable, and trustworthy. That doesn't mean that he's wearing a bow tie and smoking a pipe with a mustache and wire-rimmed glasses. A therapist in a hoodie could be just as good or even more effective than a therapist in a suit, but there's a certain element of professionalism coming on time. Reliable. You know you could trust him. You lose that, you lose the safe space. A fifth component to a good therapist is flexibility. A good therapist should be able to adapt their approach to meet the unique needs of each client. Now, this is something which, as we're having more therapists sprout out across the globe and it used to be a very small niche profession each therapist sort of picks up their own style along the way but we find that there is more flexibility across the board in earlier times you would learn a method this is how you fix people's brains this is how you solve psychological issues you shoot that at people if it works then you chart that off as a success And if it doesn't, then your client is just broken and there's something significantly deeper and wrong with them and you should lock them up and medicate them. There are so many incredible methods. Most of them all stem from the same basic basic ideas, just performed in different methods, um, through different tools, different techniques, different styles. They all are effective for a person who connects with it, who would resonate with those with those questions, with that style. Um, I've had clients who felt silly doing role play. So while most of my clients, if we engage in a role play where you know I would be playing a negative thought, he'd be playing, uh, playing the positive thought and we're having a conversation as thoughts, that would be in the CBT model. That could be incredibly effective unless you feel goofy the entire time and there you lose that safety, that comfortability. I've had clients who are remarkably emotional, so sitting down and doing CBT with them, that just doesn't work because they just they tapped into the emotions a lot deeper than they did their logical side. So to be able to shift from the different models and to be able to have those tools on hand to realize 
hang on, this guy is talking about an inner child. Let's see if we could use some IFS, some internal family systems approach to direct him down that path, which he's clearly already on. That's how he's thinking. He, he's already envisioning his four-year-old child. You know, those memories are the thing that are plaguing him today. So there's no need to stick to your CBT regimen if he's already having a conversation with his four-year-old. I fully understand the therapists that, that have their model, whether it be uh, hypnotism, CBT, DBT, behavioral narrative, et cetera, et cetera. The list goes on and on. But there's more of a chance that if you send a client to them who doesn't click with that, it won't work. So if you want to be able to relate to whoever sits down in front of you, that therapist should have some measure of flexibility. Number six, the therapist should have good communication skills. A good therapist should be able to explain complex concepts in a way that's understandable to their clients, especially coming out of college and reading the scholastic works of psychology. You pick up these incredibly complex terms. Even on a a lower level, you have something called cognitive distortions. It sounds fancy, it's fun. And when you're talking to your therapist friends, definitely throw that in because they'll relate to what that is but when you're talking to someone who doesn't know what a distortion is if he doesn't play electric guitar or learn cbt he'll have no idea what you're talking about try and dumb it down use words that are just plain simple english and sometimes that could take a little bit of work and you know you might need to explain it two three times and ask your client to say back to you make sure that they understand what you're saying because the goal here is not to feel fancy and professional The goal is to relate to your client. Language should not be the thing getting in the way. One thing I learned from Phil Stutz is to draw things out. We learn this with school children. Often there are kids who are falling behind in their their schoolwork. They're getting low grades. And it's not because they're dumb. These could be the most brilliant kids in the entire school. People learn differently. Every kid has their own style and way that their brain processes, processes information. If you have a teacher that only teaches with words... If you have a kid that can only learn or learns much better and quicker and picks things up with visuals, then he'll, he'll be struggling with that teacher. A good teacher will be able to present the same idea both in, in words and in various senses and in imagery so that all the children will be able to pick up and understand and relate to the lesson being taught. So if I can draw out the pictures of the psychological issues that we're talking about, I find very often my clients immediately pick up on that, even you know, it could, it could save 20 minutes of a conversation, under, you know, of talking out these ideas. Just draw a picture, a couple of arrows, doesn't need to be complex. And it's like, oh, got it. And I, I write these things out on little index cards and give them to my clients. They can, you know, sort of go home with that understanding and review it in a visual sense. Number seven, a good therapist has knowledge and expertise. A good therapist should have a thorough understanding of the theories, techniques, and principles of psychotherapy. He should be able to apply them effectively to help his client. And finally, number eight is self-awareness. A good therapist should be aware of their own biases, his limitations, and beliefs. All these things that might impact their work with their clients, and he should be willing to address them. There is a terrible concept of transference and counter-transference where vibes and feelings towards one another can be passed through the client to the therapist and the therapist will relate back to the client through their own life's filter if there's if if a therapist doesn't like their client that relationship will not work if he's harboring some sort of a 
ill will, something between them, especially if he can't put his finger on it, that probably calls for a referral. At least, at least there's a requirement for basic self-awareness. At least know when the, the therapist realizes that he's being triggered and he's like, hang on, I'm not behaving in a professional sense here. What's going on? Oh, he reminds me of my sister. And that's why, you know, if I hate my sister, I'm going to hate this girl. So that transference has to be noted. And if it's an issue that can't be overcome, a professional therapist would refer their client to someone else who doesn't have that issue. Also, if your therapist is self-aware and that's apparent, as much as the therapist helps the client with words and lessons and messages, spending time with someone who has qualities like self-awareness and self-understanding and a balanced life rubs off on the clientele and they're going to pick up on that self-awareness and learn to understand themselves and to look into themselves to build and develop their own self-awareness. Overall, a good therapist should be someone who is compassionate knowledgeable, committed to helping their clients achieve their goals, understanding their clients deep, real way. I hope you learned something. It's a blast. I really appreciate you guys tuning in and I love these conversations. Send me your emails, askmetherapy at gmail.com, askmetherapy at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. Thank you for the feedback. Thank you for your support. Have an amazing day.